0: You say it's been three years. Say it's been three years. Right here, hey, all right. And playing it. Yeah, singing it and playing it. And all that mercy. Yeah. Yeah, you were, you were being that song. That's the difference. That's, that's, a, that's a difference than singing the song. Yeah, you can go three years and then be the song. Yeah, my Lord. How many of y'all know he's worthy? Yeah. You you may not have had an in-depth experience with him yet in your life, but I I came to tell you, I, I came on personal authority to tell you he's worthy. He's worthy. He deserves all the glory and honor and praise and whatever other words we can come up with. And and one of these days, you're going to sing this song. Yeah, yeah. One of these days, every creature that's alive will sing this song that he's worthy. Yeah, it's going to happen. And oh, my goodness. What joy we have to celebrate him today, because that's why we're here yeah it's not our spirit it's his spirit That's we celebrate and i'm so glad that you've come to join us in this celebration i'm glad that i already know this is this is really rehearsal for forever that's what we're doing rehearsal for forever i, I don't know what you imagine heaven or eternity will be like but uh We will live in a state of celebration of the Lord. Yeah, that that doesn't mean, don't, don't put your today mind on tomorrow. Because what we envision today cannot happen. We envision tomorrow in these sinful bodies. And none of this will come close to us being in an ever state of praise for him because you can't be around his light and not give him glory. And we won't have the maladies and ills of this world stopping us from the perfect praise we'll be able to give him. Does that mean we won't sit around and talk? We will. We'll fellowship. We'll be in one another's presence, but we'll all be of like mind. We'll all be giving him the praise and the glory in everything we do. Now, this, just, 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 do you do that now? In everything you do, every single thing, in every thought, deed, every action, is God getting the glory? Is he getting the praise? I don't know. Maybe you've gotten to that place, but I know I fall short. I do. I, I know I don't give him glory every day when I'm at work. I know I don't. I know I don't because I fuss and complain too much when I'm there. It almost makes it seem like if you were peeking in the door that I'm not appreciative. It's not the case. I do that at home too. Yeah, I'm just telling you, I fall short. But we won't fall short over there. Oh no, we'll sing hallelujah and we'll praise him forevermore. I'm excited. If the chip dropped down right now, you ready to get on it? No, let's have the fellowship meal first, right? Trunk or treat, after trunk or treat, I'm ready. We were on the way to church this morning and uh, Karen called somebody who was here. And Joy Solomon heard the music in the background. And he said, they can't start the friendliest church without us being there. What a childish notion. Yeah. Wait till I get there. Wait, wait, wait till I get there. Don't let it start Till I get there. That the praise can't start till I'm in the place. For praise. And oh my goodness. Yeah. And so we've been on this sermon series that we've entitled that we've entitled Classic Rivalries. And um I am convinced that uh this is the season for that, and I thank God for for that sermon series. But I want to preach something a little bit today, give you a message today that has something to do with it's 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 live TV I mean you just can't you know where, where mama go that's where I go and so there's a passage of scripture that I think highlights the significance of what we're celebrating today even though it's homecoming even though we call it spirit day it's also family and friends day and I think that one of the greatest gifts God has given us is a gift of friendship. I do. The, the gift of friendship and fellowship to me is just an extraordinary blessing that I don't know that we fully take into consideration in our lives. Yeah, I think we disregard the significance of fellowship and friendship in our lives. I'm going to say that again. All right. And there is a passage of, there's a story in, in scripture that highlights, you've heard it before, that highlights the significance of friendship. And, and I just want to talk to you a, a little bit about it today, and then we'll, we'll get out of your way. It's found in the gospel according to St. Mark, in the second chapter there. And Really, the underpinning passage of scripture is verses 1 through 12, but if you will allow me. I just want to read perhaps the first five verses to you. And this is not an unfamiliar, for some it's not going to be an unfamiliar passage of scripture. You've heard it before, but maybe not in the way I want to talk to you about it today. Okay, just a classic with a twist. All right. And Mark writes, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. And some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, Lord, the mat, the paralyzed man was lying on. Verse five says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, son, your sins are forgiven. I'm going to stop reading at verse five. And amen. We can add a benediction right now. Amen, brother. Do you realize that some of the problems and issues you have in life are too big for you to handle by yourself? Well, you usually realize that when you're in it, when you're in it, after you struggled and you realize. Sometimes it's a sad revelation to you. I can't do this by myself. Not only do I need God's help, but I need the help of some folks with skin on around me to get me through this situation. And I came to tell you this today. God did not create you to go through life alone. He did not. He made us social creatures, beings. After he created Adam, God could have said, that's it, I'm good, I've made a man. But in scripture, he instructed Moses to write these words. God said it is not good for Adam to be alone. It was never intended that we would be alone in our activities. And yet we find ourselves traversing life trying to be more solitary than we should be. Trying to wall people off, handle everything on our own. In fact, we typically only reach out when we have reached maximum capacity on our own. And usually that's out of desperation when we do it. But God intended there to be intentional fellowship between us. I was designed to work with other people. In fact, my spirit is not complete without other people being involved in my life. Nowhere in scripture will you find this example more evident than in the parable we just told you or the story we just told you about uh, a moment ago. But I want to look at the scripture that I just read from the perspective of the man on the mat. Yeah, the man on the mat seems to just be uh, a prop in the story and sometimes it seems like our lives are props around other folks. They go around doing what they do without realizing that this is my life that you're dealing with. This man on the mat had obvious issues. He was paralyzed. I don't know what caused him to be paralyzed, but I do know this. Shelby, that in that day and time, if you were paralyzed, if you could not work, if you could not provide for yourself, you were utterly dependent on everybody around you. And yet, look at this now, and yet the, the story is clear. Despite the fact that this man could not provide for himself, He must have lived a life so full uh, full that he had not one, not two, not three. He had four friends, four friends, who were willing to go to the nth degree to see him get better. Now, I'm not going to ask you right now. No, I am. Can you? Right now, identify, don't include, well, I I would say this, but I want to draw a line. Don't include the folk who grew up in the house with you. All right? Can you identify four people in your life who you know would go to the wall for you and sacrifice themselves, endanger themselves for you? Do you know them? Can you call them right now? If you put them, if you picked up the phone right now, and say I need you, seventy-six hundred Division Boulevard, I'll be here by twelve o'clock. Could you get them? Could you get them? Meet me on the roof. We having a roof party. Very few people can identify, and that's because we live our lives in. I'm going to use this as Dunhill in. Public isolation. Public isolation, which means we deal with folk all the time, but we walk around in silos trying to be who we are without anybody getting beyond the walls that we have. And nowhere, don't get mad at me when I tell you, nowhere is it more evident than in the church. Nowhere. Is it more evident than in here? Yeah, this paralyzed guy couldn't do anything for himself. And so he's got this, what I wanna call unconventional problem-solving squad that came up with a collective way to heal him. So from his perspective, we learn a few lessons that I want you to take out of here today. All right, first of all, teamwork, which obviously was at work here, teamwork can break the hole that paralysis has in your life. Teamwork. Because some of us don't even realize we're paralyzed. Yeah, and there are few forms of paralysis that can affect us in our lives. This guy clearly had physical paralysis that was stopping him from his daily quality of life it doesn't mean he didn't have a full life it simply meant he couldn't get up and do what others do every day now you and i both know that there are people who do not have the use of their legs who lead full lives they show up at work when you do they beat you to work yeah they, they they do better work than you do they are happier every day at work than you are and they clearly have to go through more physically to get there. So they must have their uh, focus on something else that keeps them um, uh, centered in their lives. But some of us don't have to worry about physical paralysis. Some of us have to deal with the concept of spiritual paralysis. Oh yeah, some of us have been paralyzed spiritually for a long time. We we have made watch out now don't get mad at me and throw your hat at me. I've made no significant spiritual growth in my life since I joined the church. I'm just here. I don't really engage or grow my life spiritually. In fact, we've done it so long that we've come to the conclusion that ain't no use in trying no more. I'm just here. Yeah, I'm just struggling. Trying to do better. But I don't pray like I should. Prayer is not a part of my life. Can I tell you this? If you don't hear anything else I say, if you don't pray, you are paralyzed spiritually. Prayer is the vehicle that grows your relationship with the Lord. And if you're not driving that vehicle, you can't get closer to the Lord. How do I get closer to you? I talk to you. I communicate with you. I listen to you. Prayer is the vehicle by which we talk to the Lord. It's also the vehicle by which we hear from the Lord. And if I am not active in that, then there's some paralysis in my life that I need to work on. Not not only that, if you're not at some point reading some scripture, all right, I'm not telling you, you got to go pick your Bible up every day. It'd probably be all right. But on a regular basis, you need to learn what's going on in the Bible. And the reason I say that is because the Bible is a living organism. It's not just a book on the shelf. When you read it, the words become a part of you if you read it in the spirit. And The reason I tell you that it's a living organism is because it becomes activated when needed if you read it and study it properly. I'm not telling you what I heard in this. I'm telling you what I know and have experienced that there are times that my life puts me in situations that I can't see or understand and somewhere in my spirit, Something I read in this book is activated and it gives me guidance and instruction on what to say and do under those circumstances. I'm telling you what I've experienced. I've come to this pulpit literally hundreds of times, hundreds of times to preach over these 18 years with my sermon in my hand ready to preach what I have prepared and put on paper, and when I say amen after I've opened the door, nothing I said was on the paper. Nothing. Because that ain't what he wanted me to say. He took me in a completely different direction and guided me During that period of time, so much so that you didn't even know that I basically had my eyes closed while I was driving. Because he'll guide you. He'll guide you. And he'll tell you what to say. He told Moses, I'll talk for you. Be the vehicle. But if you are paralyzed, and I'm telling you now, that works in the pulpit. It also works when you sit sitting in front of your boss and he's about to deal with you because you've been late 12 times in a row. And the only thing that comes to your mind is to say traffic on 280. That's all you say is tra- tra- traffic on 280. And and he say, but you live downtown. <laughs> So, so what, what traffic go 280 got to do? Would you be being late? Don't you live in the loft downtown? Yeah, you clearly have missed. Yeah. Somebody need to pray, Lord. Where's well, that scripture that said, be still. Be quiet. Or the power of something we rarely ever do, just repent. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I've been dealing with some issues and it's struggling, you know. You'd be surprised how disarming the truth can be to some people, because they already come in there expecting an the excuse. And when you tell them you're right, they don't know what to say. I don't. I don't. I'm in a position where, you know, I'm expecting folk to come up and tell me something that ain't true. I mean, it's just, I'm just wondering how creative they going to get. But when they come up and they say, guilty, I did it. Um, yeah, I was wrong. I'm like, that ain't even in the script. <laughs> right now. Paralysis comes in different ways. But spiritual paralysis for a Christian now, hear me, you already believe You already say you love the Lord. If you love him, why aren't you trying to get closer to him? Why aren't you trying to know him better? And so you can be paralyzed in spiritual ways. Not only can you be paralyzed in spiritual ways, I also find that you can be paralyzed in emotional ways. Emotional paralysis has us in a place. We are in a state of hurt and we stay hurt. And we build our lives around the hurt that we feel. And we expect that everybody around us all the time is going to understand that I'm hurt. And deal with my life from the perspective that I'm walking hurt. You are paralyzed because even a burn heals. Even a fractured foot heals. Everything heals if you are emotionally in a place of hurt and it's not healing then something's wrong and you need to get some help can I tell you this whether or not you go to a physician healing can take place yeah it might not heal right that's what's important yeah when I I, but some Wounds are so dangerous that they can affect the rest of the body, which means you need to get some professional intervention to help you. And so if you are in a state of hurt that will not, that doesn't seem to be healing by itself, then that must mean you need some professional help to get beyond that space so that your life can move on. But nobody is going to be your friend if you've been mad at them for 20 years. That's just not going to happen. And some people are still listening to you talk about the hurt that happened 20 years ago. And they are, frankly, not comfortable with you rehearsing that every time you come together. At some point, the song comes to mind. What is it, little song? Let it go. Move on. Because staying in that space while it's a warm blanket is smothering you. It's smothering you and your life. Physical paralysis, spiritual paralysis, emotional paralysis. And then there's one that some people won't acknowledge, but we see it materializing in their lives all the time. It's the paralysis of bad habits. Bad habits. You just keep making the same choice. You got a bad habit of picking this dude who looks and acts like this, and that one didn't work. And you turn around and pick the same dude with a different name. That's all. He just is the same dude. Looks same, different name, same result. Leave him alone, pick the same dude with a different name. Why? Because you got this preconceived notion of what you're supposed to have in terms of love. Yeah, and your love picture was fractured from the beginning. Which means you keep picking the wrong person for you. For you, and you keep getting the same result. For you. Now, I say wrong man. It's the same thing. Woman. Same one. Same problem. You keep picking her. You keep picking her over and over again. And she keeps doing to you because it really ain't her doing it. It's really you. It's really you. It's what you present. That's the problem. All right, And you keep getting the same result. I got a friend who had I know a woman type every time I met one of his new friends, it was like deja vu all over again. Oh, and and so much so that, you know, you'll get to play where you'll be calling the wrong name because they look so much alike, which can get you in trouble. Yeah, no, this ain't, this ain't her, this is, oh man, I'm sorry. You know, they, where they had the same thing. And then the Lord let him meet somebody on the phone. Couldn't see her. Didn't see her for a long time. They started talking on the phone, communicating. And it was like four to six months before they actually ever met in person. But by this time, he had already developed an emotional attachment to her without ever seeing her. In other words, the Lord protected him from him and allowed him to meet someone who ultimately he married. And they stayed married, stayed married because God had to get him out of the way of his bad habits. If he had seen her beforehand, She would not have fit his profile. And he would have rejected her outright because of his picture in his head. And instead, he's got what I think is a forever love because he fell in love with the person and not the picture. And that's important. All right. Paralysis of all those things can make you have trouble in your life. Did you know? in scripture, that it's not an unusual thing for the people who got better in their lives to be brought to Jesus. You got to bring people to the healer, to the master, in order for them to get better. Let, let me see if I can explain it to you. Because somehow we think that people just going to get up and find Jesus on their own. Rarely. That might happen. But typically, it's those of us who know him. Those of us who understand a relationship with him, who have found a good thing, who take our friends to him. And that's the example in this story we just read. These people have someone they love who happens to be paralyzed, but they've heard that Jesus is in town. And they want him, their friend, who can in no way get to Jesus by himself. There's no way he can get there. If they don't help him, He's going to be missing Jesus that day. Not only is he physically incapable of getting to Jesus, the place is already so full that if he made it to the house, the house is packed out. He can't get through the door and to Jesus. And yet these four friends want him to know Jesus. They want him to know Jesus so badly that they'll do anything to get him to meet Jesus. How about they love him? They want him to be better. They've heard that Jesus can change things in folks' lives. And they got a friend who they love who they want some change to come into his life. And so they take him. But watch this. Matthew, if you go through Matthew chapter 4, chapter 8, chapter 12, chapter 14, chapter 19, you will see story after, you will see verse after verse of people bringing someone to Jesus. Let me show you. Uh, Matthew 4 and 24, news about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began, watch this, bringing to him all who were sick. Matthew 8 and 16, that evening many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. Matthew 12 and 24. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. Story after story of people bringing somebody they love to Jesus. Have you brought anybody to Jesus lately who you love? It didn't say you had to heal them. It just said bring them to the place where Jesus is. That's all you have to do is bring them to the place where Jesus is. If you love him enough, grab him by the hand. Grab him by the moats, whatever, and bring him to the place where Jesus is. And after that, it's up to Jesus to do what needs to be done. And I want you to know today that Jesus is available to help us with all of our problems, but sometimes, sometimes we just need a little help getting to him. A lot of Christians suffer from spiritual isolation syndrome. Spiritual isolation syndrome. We worship God. We love other people. We just don't want to depend on other people. I'm going to tell you some things in here that's probably going to make you uneasy. But I think I can do it. Um. In, this, in the form of, of a story that came uh, from uh, Dr. Uh, Gilbert Belitskian. Tells a story of how he was speaking at a leadership conference and the leadership conference um, was for preachers who were struggling some in their ministry. And he tells the story of the church that he grew up in. church that he grew up in that was much like any other church. Um, we're not drawing any line. It didn't matter what the denomination was. It doesn't matter. Um, that touted the strength of its fellowship. That's all they talk about. We have strong fellowship at this church. But it was strong by the definition of what they call fellowship. This is what the fellowship was. They would come to church, come to a worship experience, and year after year, strong congregation, big congregation. And when it was over, the man of the church would um, get up when they go on the porch of the church and say, Hey Cass, you doing all right today? Yeah. See so you driving a new truck. Not new, I bought a used. Yeah, you got a busy week coming up? Not too busy, you know, normal. Well, all right, I hope it don't rain. All right, man, it was good fellowshiping with you. All right? See you next week. And that's what it was. Week after week after week. That's what they call fellowship. People sit on the same pews next to each other a year. Sunday after Sunday, month after month, and never, ever get anywhere beneath the surface of lives. And all of a sudden, people would just not be in church for a few Sundays. Because while they were making it to church every Sunday and going through that motion at the house, husband and wife weren't really getting along but they would never dare tell anybody at the church that they were having problems with their marriage because that would break the picture of what they were supposed to be doing and can I tell you that's not church in order for there to be fellowship you're not going you must be vulnerable you must open yourself to the possibility that people will know you and know that you are not as perfect as you present. Can I tell you, we already know. We already know that life is not an Instagram page. No, we know that to get the one you post, you took 25. And pick the one that you wanted us to see. And that's what you do on Sunday. You come in and pick the picture of you you want us to see. But fellowship is letting me see the other 25. And guess what? If I'm your friend, I'm good with the 25 on the ground. I celebrate the one you pick but we're okay because you took the 25 because that's where real life is. We don't do things perfectly and it's okay to let people in your space and in fact, you won't grow. You won't get better. You won't have the blessing that church is until you let folk into your life. Don't just invite me in to bring a dish when somebody dies. I want to be there to hold your hand while you're going through it. Because I'm that kind of friend. I told you before. Some people think it's impossible to have a party and invite a preacher. Two things I want you to know on this. First of all, if you're doing something the preacher can't see, then you need to check yourself anyway. And the other thing is this: I seen it all. It ain't like alcohol new no. and it's illegal. If you want to drink, fine, that's your business. Just because I'm there don't mean I got to drink with you. I'm good with that. But when you talk about having relationship with people, I don't want just a Sunday morning relationship. So when you start counting the people that you have in your circle, can you acknowledge, is your pastor in your circle? And if not, how far out of the circle is he? How far is he? I understand the job but I also understand the significance of relationship. It's important that people be involved in your life. You know why? Because the second point is that teamwork, which is what they had when they took him on the roof and put him through the roof, teamwork stimulates creativity. I wonder if they had a little meeting Monica, before they got in there. They said, well, you know, we need to get John to Jesus. And how we do it? One of them had to say, let's take him through the roof. And the other one probably said, man, you crazy. Can't nobody get through the roof. And they talked it out. It was Casanova. Yeah, let's Casanova said, let's take him through the roof. You know, Qs love tearing the roof up. <laughs> yeah, let's take him through there. Yeah, and, and, and Dada, the alpha said, uh, no, let's be more studious than that I I, uh, I believe we can come up with a better plan than that. Uh, we don't have to destroy anything just to get him. <laughs> yeah. 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 And Cam said, you know, I'm used to going through the roof. I ain't got no problem. They had a discussion. Why? Because having more people in your life for your situation allows more options for your life. Not just what you think, but what they think too. And, and though you don't have to go with it, I'm sure the man who was paralyzed is just sitting there, going between them. All he knows is I'm about to get the come up, literally. Literally about to get the come up. Everybody trying to help me get better, and they come up with it So we're going with cash. We're going on the roof. We're going on the roof. What you don't know is that at that time, most of those houses were built with flat roofs with stairs up to the roof because they needed access from time to time to make repairs. And so getting to the roof and removing the covering from it took some work, but it was a viable option. But it was only because they got together and knew that they could use that option to get in there. Having teamwork in your life. Who is your team? It's a sermon. Who is your team that can help you do better? Who are your friends that can help you do better. And then, I love this, and then I'm out of here. So they do it. They take him to the roof, and they cut the hole through, remove the layer, then cut the hole through. For those of you who don't know the story, they lower him down the roof into the middle of where Jesus is preaching. So imagine, I wouldn't be this big. Lord have mercy. If it was a roof like this, that was something. But they lower him through the roof, into the middle of the crowd where Jesus is. Can you imagine folk in there that listening to Jesus, Jesus is talking to him, and all of a sudden, straw and stuff starts falling from the roof, and they're looking what's going on, and then here comes a body through the roof, through the roof, literally disturbing the whole place, and Jesus, being who he is, knowing everything, does not stop. He continues and allows them to do what they're doing. And not only, I love this, not only do they put him down through the roof. Obviously, Jesus can see that it's four of them up there that's helping. And he says something that I thought is the most chilling part of this. And it brings to the next point. Teamwork can help bolster your faith. All right, when you got folk in your circle, One day you might not be feeling it, but I got somebody in my crew who comes in who feeling all right today and he can get me hyped today about what's going on. And so I need to have folks in my circle who have faith like I have, because it might not be my day today to be the cheerleader. I might have to be cheered today. And when you do it by yourself, then you don't have anybody to cheer you. But when you got a team of people who believe what you believe. Now, I said a few minutes ago, I didn't want you to put your family in that question. But in this instance, your family can be part of your team. You might not be feeling what you need to feel today, but guess what? You call somebody and they say, what a wonderful day it's been. I've been celebrating all you've done in such and such. They can cheer you. And so having somebody on your team can help bolster your faith. And why do I say that? Because of what Jesus said when that man came down through the roof. He said that their faith, their faith is what's helping you to be whole right now. That's what it says. It says, seeing their faith in verse five. You know how big that is? And it's not excluding the paralyzed man. It's including him, too, because he's part of the team. But when he saw the collective faith of the group of people, God, Jesus said, that's satisfying enough for me to know that y'all really wanted to be here. Not one, but all you wanted to be here and make this happen. And that's why I tell you, you got to have a team of people around you. He saw the faith of them, and the man sinned we forgiven, and it's, it's just a, the way of saying you're made whole under these circumstances. And so here they go, here they go. Now they've lowered him through, Jesus has healed them. What a wonderful reward for friendship because he came through the roof and ran out the door. Think about it now. Oh, you ought to shout on that. He, he came through the roof, but he ran out the front door to a new life and guess who was already out there waiting on him they didn't have to come through the roof to get him they caught him at the front door and suddenly we can run through life together why because we collectively had enough faith to take you to the one who can make a difference in our lives there is a story um, that's told about um, I love watching animal shows people know that I've said that a lot while I'm up here, just fascinated. That might be, is that a man thing? It's not, maybe not. Well, it's an Andre thing. Anyway, there was a story on about rhinos, rhinos, rhinoceros, rhinoceros, whatever. Sorry, dental. Help me, Marie. Uh, rhinoceros. You know how big they are huge. I mean like little of D, like little beetle cars. They're that big. But as big as they are, they are one of the fastest creatures on earth. As big as they are. They have been known to run as fast as 26 miles an hour. Now can you imagine something that big with a horn Coming at you at 26 miles an hour. To make it worse, they have some of the poor. In fact, they say they're only second in animal kingdom, they're as fast as squirrels. Rhinoceros right so, are uh, as fast as squirrels are. You know, squirrels are pretty fast. The problem is, as fast as they are, they almost can't see. They are some, they have the poorest vision they can't see really beyond 30 feet in front of them. So here is something coming at you almost 30 miles an hour, but they don't know what's at the end of 31 feet, which could be you, all right? And so a group of rhinoceros, the name of them, is called like, if you have a group of ravens, The name of, or crows, crows, the name of it is a murder. That's the name of a group of ravens, a murder. And a group of rhinoceros is called a crash. A crash, that's what the animal kingdom calls a group of rhinoceros. When they're running together, it's referred to, here comes, they say, you know, uh, David Attenborough would say, and suddenly through the woods comes a crash of rhinoceros. That's what he was saying. And crash means a group of them. The problem is they're running at full steam. Ain't nothing that can really get them, but they're running at full steam and don't know what's at 31. Guess what? We ought to be a crash in the church. All right? We ought to be running through things, not hesitantly like we're scared, we ought to be running through things like the rhinoceros, not worried about what's at 31 feet, just knowing that whatever's on the other side for 31 feet better be worried because here we come. All right, that's what we need to, they need to be concerned because when we collectively put our minds to something, there ought not be a problem in our community that can't be dealt with. When we collectively do it, not not individually, individually we'll fail, but collectively that's not a problem in society. That's not a problem in our community that cannot be dealt with if we approach it like a crash. And so what I'm inviting you to do today is get together with me and let's go crash through homelessness. Let's go crash through gun violence. Let's go crash through fatherlessness. Let's go cross through all these problems. But we got to do it together and in order to do it together you got to trust. We got to trust each other. We got to be willing to be vulnerable with one another. I've come this year and I've told you about my life. I've been as open as I can be without being too graphic about the problems I've had personally this year. Why? One, I want to do it because you know that I'm not immune from problems. Being called a pastor church does not make me immune from problems. Pastors live, pastors die, pastors get hurt, pastors get sick. We go through everything just like you do. But I've been telling you what's going on with me. And some of you will never tell me what's going on with you intimacy matters in fellowship. And I'm not just talking about my relationship with you. I'm talking about them folks sitting on the pew next to you. Yeah. Not the folk you've been knowing all your life. I'm talking about the folk who are intentionally here. Who want to be a part of it. I'm talking about people who come in who are new. You want to get them engaged in church? Embrace them. Love them. Go to lunch. Talk to them. Tell them what's going on. Do more than talk to them on the porch for five minutes. And then say, I'll see you next week, like they did in this. Love people. Let them know this was a tough Mm -hmm. week for me. I struggled. I've been depressed all week. I haven't felt like myself this week. And I needed somebody to talk to. Let them into your life. Where is your team? Guess what? You need Jesus to lead your team. If you've never accepted him as your life manager, then I'm inviting you to do so today. He came to earth to show us how to live here on earth in a right way. And how did he start out his ministry? down you know what he did he got a team he put a team together isn't that something that Jesus could have come Deidre and done all his work walking by himself dealing with his brothers and sisters but he didn't do that he was intentional in his example he gathered a team and yeah he picked some folk who didn't work out so good He picked one who took all his love, all his fellowship. That was the risk he took when he brought Judas into the circle. But the problem wasn't Jesus picking Judas. The problem was in how Judas saw Jesus. It's not you picking somebody and making them your friend. It's whether they value your friendship in the first place. So don't stop. Don't let that be your guide when it comes to picking folks. You might pick somebody who can't stay on your squad. That's okay. Just move on. Somebody else will come in and take their place. You'll get a Bartholomew who will come in and replace Judah. That's how it works. But pick you a team that can roll with you through life. Pick you a team that can be with you in the good days and the bad days, and the up days and the down days. Pick you a team. And when you get paralyzed in life, they'll pick you up. And bring you to the master. Won't, you, won't let you stay in your state of paralysis. Pick your team. But when you start picking, pick Jesus first. Jesus can be on everybody's team. Today I came to tell you that he wants you to pick him because he's already picked you. So now is the time. You've never formally dedicated your life to him. And I extend this invitation to you and say, come right now. Make a public declaration that I pick Jesus. I want him to lead my life. Doors of the church are wide open. Come on. Candidates for baptism. Maybe you're looking for another church. We're waiting on you right now. Yes. He'll do it.